Welcome to the Roaring Twenties podcast. My name is Annie K. I'm Elijah Z. We're talking about life as 20-somethings in the 2020s. How meta! So fun. Woohoo! So we're getting vulnerable. We're going to weave in some research and we're just going to try and figure it out. And we hope you join us on this journey. Let's figure this-ish out together. Okay, we are talking about failure. Woohoo! It's my favorite subject to talk about, honestly. I love a good failure. I love a good fall in the face, hit a wall, nosebleed moment. I do best. Um, so we're going to talk about personal experiences with failure. We're going to hop into some research, fear, mentality, and anatomy. And we're going to wrap this baby up on how to successfully fail. An oxymoron. We could... You could get so good at failing. I've gotten so great at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a skill. I'm an expert failure. But <laughs> actually. Okay, so what's our icebreaker for today? Let's break the ice, baby. Britney Spears, circa t- 2007. Tony Robbins rocking chair test. Who's Tony Robbins? Get the f*** out of here. You don't know who Tony Robbins is? Is he like Anthony Bourdain? No. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so surprised that you don't know who to- uh, uh, Tony. Uh, you don't know who, yeah, Tony know Robbins is. I'm surprised. He's like biggest motivational speaker. Oh. If you've okay. heard of, if you, if you heard his voice, you might know like who what, he is. Like what, does he have like his own show? Yeah, he's like huge on social media, has written so many different books, he's like multi-millionaire, um... Okay. But he's like, yeah, yeah, Tony Robbins. I, like, listen to him almost every morning. Not him, but just motivational speeches. Wow. Yeah, they have them on Spotify now. They're, like, eight minutes with, like, some, like, triumphant music. Um, I don't know. Honestly, those are so cheesy to me. Like, I can't get into them. Oh, my God. I can't I I listen to one a day. I, it's like my pump up. Wow. Yeah. For me, that's music. Like, music replaces. See, I have a playlist, like, positive mental attitude, confidence, and resilience. Oh, sick. So those are, like, the in-between, but sometimes I just need a shot of espresso, and that shot of espresso is an eight-minute motivational. Tony. Tony or large black men screaming at me (laughs) saying, get up and move. Get the fuck out of bed. Like, Like, seriously. 4 a.m. wake ups, let's do it! And I'm like, (laughs) ah! You know? It's really energizing to me. That's great. Yeah, so I love it. Um, But, yeah, so Tony Robbins is a motivational speaker, and he has a rocking chair test. Um, And basically, the test is, when I am 85, sitting in a rocking chair, what will I think? Okay? So let's say, oh, I want to travel to Europe. But I don't have the money, I don't have the capability to do it. uh, Something along those lines. Thinking of yourself as an 85-year-old in the rocking chair, reflecting on life. How would I feel if I went to Europe or I didn't go to Europe? So where there's a will, there's a way. You can very much find your way to Europe if you have to take a second job, save up money. You know, mm-hmm. you, you talk about finances and you're quite good at finances. You could listen to that on episode six. Needless to say, when you are 85 in the rocking chair, how will you think about yourself mm-hmm. or your life? You know, the pessimistic side of me thinks, like, are we even going to get to 85 with, like, climate change? But that's a different topic. Get out of the closet. (laughs) Get out of the closet. Okay, well, no negativity here. Um, No, so realistically, it's just, it's it's more of a perspective-taking exercise. 
Yeah. Right? So trying to look at it from the other side. Even like, I don't know, flying lessons, for example. Sure, they're, they're expensive, but where there's a will, there's a way. You know, at 85, will I think back and regret that I didn't take these classes or I didn't go to Europe? Or mm-hmm. will I be so happy to think that I really tried that and mm-hmm. I gave it my all at something? Yeah. And I would fight to say that the latter option would be the option that you would want to feel in a rocking yeah, chair you don't at the age have of 85. No like one wants laying regrets. in your bed uh-uh, at that age. No way. Speaking of regrets, part of this icebreaker is to talk to 85-year-olds and see what they regret. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're going to call my grandmother. <laughs> and um, we're going to ask them, um, you know... Uh, if they could do it over again. If they could do it over again. How would they do it? How would they do it? Did they fail? Are they looking back at their life being like, I wish that I did this? Mm-hmm. Okay, dialing up Bev. 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 Hey, Graham. How are you? Uh, good. How are you? Okay, so we're filming a podcast, and I have a question for you. What? We're filming a podcast, and I have a question for you. Okay. Okay. If you were to do your life over again, or if you could think about life as uh, a 20-year-old, 20 version, 20-year-old version of yourself, um, was there a time where you regret, or was there a time that you wished that you followed your dreams and you didn't? Yeah, you didn't. You didn't. Like you're you're reflecting back. Yeah. Okay. What what was that? Oh, <laughs> that's um, that's a little bit personal. I don't want you to be spreading it on the the podcast. Okay. All right. So then, you know? g- maybe give me something that's not super personal, or something that's okay. more applicable to you know other twenty year olds, twenty year old kids. I would say, yeah, <laughs> um, I didn't follow my dreams, and if I did, you know, I would have been, you know, uh, some kind of a, pro- you know, I don't know, some kind of a professional. I would have been a professional person. Compared to you not being a professional? Yes, compared to me just, you know, getting married, having kids, and basically being, you know, a stay-at-home mom. So you would have prioritized, like, um, your wants and needs, or you would have tried to kind of carve your own path? Yes, I, I would have. It's kind of hard, Ledge, because it, there's a big age difference, you know what I mean? You're, you're figuring 20 to 70, and <laughs> it, it's a big thing. But if I was a 20-year-old now, you know what I mean, and I did that, I would say I would want to go back and follow my dreams. Huh, I love that. Okay, cool. I'm going to call you a little bit later, but thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. All right, love you, bye. Wow. Wow. That's that's kind of sad. Yeah. Like, I wish... I mean, it's like, it's hard when you're... You don't know what you, you're not doing in the moment. Yeah. It's also age. We live in a world 
where there's so much opportunity, especially for women, where 50 years ago that wasn't the Mm -hmm. case. Yeah, it was a different time. It was more like nuclear family, like very distinct roles. Societal pressures. By gender. Um, So I can definitely see how that's changed now. And women are more empowered. Right. And imagine going through that experience and now being 70 or 80 and reflecting back and being like, it's a different world and I could have... I could have done it, but I didn't. Yeah, that's tough. Like, because then we're, we're thinking now, you know, maybe is, is it going to get even harder for mm-hmm. people? It's yeah. only going to get harder. Yeah. This is literally the time, which is so exciting about the 20s. It's exciting. It's overwhelming, but it's exciting. Yeah, I guess I see only the excitement in it, and I really feel the overwhelm. Okay. Like, dang, like, look at all this stuff. Look at all this future. Yeah. Look at all this future. I think that's, that's the overwhelming part for me is like how many paths you can take. Yeah. And it's like, which, which one? And I take th- them all. That's failure. Yeah. Take them all, see how far they go and then turn right back around. And be like this wasn't yeah. it. It's a maze. Life is a maze and you, you're going to find that dead end, but don't be beaten down that you found a dead end. Be excited that you found a dead end because uh-huh. you're just going to forge forward because of that dead end. That's true. I like that. So what does your grandmother say? Yeah, so actually my grandma mostly speaks Russian, <laughs> mostly only Russian, so um, I kind of just wanted to, I, I talked to her yesterday. I wanted All right, to, you called her prior to this. Yeah, prior to this, just to kind of tell her that I was going to call her today, just to make sure she would pick up, and it was interesting because I was, I asked her the same prompt, like, if you could do it over again, how would you do it? Would you follow your dreams? And was she ever afraid of failure? And it was so fascinating because she grew up um, in the USSR. Okay. So... USSR being? Uh, the Soviet Union. Okay. Uh, and so, on living under a socialist government, and so, it was so interesting, because she was like, I was not afraid of failure, because everything was guaranteed. My job was guaranteed. My career was guaranteed. Everyone's salary was the same. And the government was just like, we will provide. Like, yeah, you might not have um, as big of a variety of things, but, like, you have everything that you need to, to live, and, like, there's happiness in, in the guarantee of that. Mm. So while there are so many different negative aspects of, of life on in that time, she was like, I didn't really have to worry much in my 20s. And she, it was funny, she was like, my the only thing I did worry about was, like, getting with cute guys and, like, getting a nice dress to wear. Uh-huh. So very interesting very perspective. Different. Yeah, very different life. Um, and she definitely acknowledged how difficult it is for people in their twenties now. So that was kind of huh. nice. <laughs> I'm huh. just like, wow, you get it. That's a very different perspective. Yeah. And then, so, so I was like, okay, so I can't ask her. Um, but then I talked to my mom a bit and my mom in, in her twenties came to the U S. Oh my gosh. How old was she? Uh, she, I, I don't know the exact age, mm-hmm. but it was, it was early twenties. Cause wow. she, um, I wanted to share a bit of from an essay that she wrote at 22. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yeah, so she came, like, with nothing, basically. Had to start a life for herself. So just imagine you moving to Russia, like, not knowing anything, and then starting a life. I can't imagine it. Yeah. I would how be totally How crazy. Lost. I mean, it's kind of like how you moved to China, right? Like, you didn't know. Yeah, but it's a little bit different because it's, I knew my life was still here. Oh, true. Yeah. You it's, know? It's all, yeah, that's that's. that's I was exploring rather than, yeah. like, okay, this is an all-or-nothing bet, let's roll the dice. Yeah. And this has to work. Exactly. It was, like, all-or-nothing, yeah. And she came with all her family, and they were not going back. Like, wow. they had tried so hard to get out. Um, and so I really look up to her because it was really, like, this... 
I'm. This is me following my dreams. Yeah, and, and she couldn't fail. She could not fail. Like because, this was like, a make it. Yeah, we will make it. Yeah. So then, what does the letter say? Yeah. So I'm just gonna share a bit uh, about what she wrote in her English 101 class. Okay. So, so I'm just reading it. In 1989, during the time when the heaviest Soviet immigration occurred, my family decided to leave Russia. It was a very big decision for us and very traumatic. We had to leave our homeland with no money because we couldn't take any rubles out of Russia. We were allowed two, two suitcases each, and for women, one ring, one necklace, one bracelet, and one pair of earrings. We did not know where we were going or what to expect. Immigrating takes a lot of courage. It is very scary and terrible. It is the fear of the unknown. We decided to come to America inspired by the words of George Washington. The bosom of America is open to receive not only the opulent and respectable stranger, but the oppressed and persecuted of all nations and religions whom we shall welcome to participate in all of our rights and privileges. And then she goes to say, we had never heard of Salt Lake City, Utah. We knew a little bit about, <laughs> that's, that's where they ended up. We knew a little the bit Mormons. about, right. <laughs> We knew a little bit about America, but we had no idea where Utah was. When we arrived in Salt Lake City, we found it very different from what we had dreamed. <laughs> we looked around, and I was shocked. My previous impressions were from books, where the buildings and skyline always looked magnif magnificent and bright. I never suspected that the city would be so small and quiet. Wow. We felt completely disoriented when we arrived. It was a sad time for us. It was the first time in my life that I felt so far away. Alone in our apartment, we felt cut off from the world. At first, we needed good advice, because in this country, to survive, you have to know many more things than in Russia. We needed to learn about personal finance, real estate, bank credit. In Russia, nobody has a bank account. I never wow. dreamed about credit cards. It makes a big difference to have a community or support organization that speaks your native language and can introduce newcomers to this society. If it weren't for this help, it would have been very difficult for us. Very often, Americans ask me, why did you come here? Can't you live in your own country? It is very difficult to explain life in the Soviet Union to Americans, who ne have never known that type of system. Americans can only really see it as tourists. So, I'll stop it there. But wow, that gives you, like, a good... that's so cool. Yeah, so, like, it was... I got chills. Really? Like, from Aww. my toes to my nose. Oh, my God. Seriously. Yeah. I think there was a few things that, that came out, I guess, uh, that made me reflect on my own life. Uh, just the sheer idea of putting yourself out there and not having that fallback fallback plan. Yeah. Like she just had, she threw herself in there and she knew that it was uncomfortable. She knew it was scary, but she just proceeded on. Mm -hmm. And she really had to take initiative because yeah. she had to be the translator for her parents. Oh my gosh. Um, and then her younger brother, he went to high school, she went to college. So just like even the thought of going to college, not knowing the language and uh, in a completely different country, not having any friends you know, let alone a support network. Like, it's just so many things are just unimaginable. And so I just, like, I think she's just such a great example of, like, literally just following your dreams. Yeah, the American dream. Yeah, and just getting through it and coming out of the, uh, of the other side and being like, I did it. Right. So, yeah. And that's failure, right? That's like, failure. people don't realize that it's not pretty, it's really ugly, and the dreams look like the skyline. But in reality, yeah. it's Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it is a grind! I it's know. not pretty. It's really ugly, and it's scary, and it's overwhelming and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But that's the part of the dreams, because it's like, you, you build those. Like, yeah, you, you start off in Salt Lake City, but then you pop to LA, or you pop to New York, you know? And then you do see that city skyline. Like, those dreams yeah. are achievable, 
But initially, that's what it looks yeah, like. You start at Salt Lake City. Right. You start at the bottom. <laughs> you start with the Mormons. You start with the Mormons. So failure is so important. And most importantly, failure is fear and facing that fear. And it's amazing to sit here in this closet with you because of what your mother has accomplished. Oh, that's, I think that's going to mean a lot to her. Yeah, but that's really amazing to think about it. And then for you to go to school and to have all of your experiences, like, damn, mama made the dream happen. Yeah. And Seriously. It, that's so great. Like, I, I honestly don't think about it enough, but it's, it's like my life would be so freaking different if yeah. I was just, like, born in Russia. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. I would not be where I am today. Uh-uh. Like, 100%. No, um, no. And so I feel like that's also a testament to, like, if you want if you want to change your situation, like, get the fuck out. Like, figure, out, figure out what you need to do and, yeah. and do it, even, even though it may require you to show up with no money and, like, right. two suitcases. And think about your 85-year-old self. Mm-hmm. What will that person think? And your mother knew that this wasn't the life. She was yeah. going out. She, she was didn't want to be it. stuck. Right. She didn't yeah. want to look back as an 85-year-old and be like, oh, no, I wish I did. Because she did. And now look at her. It's crazy. Yeah. But and She's dang. at Microsoft. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> damn, Mom, look at her go. From she Salt Lake City it. to damn Microsoft. Yeah. She's making moves. Um, all right, cool. Well, it was great to hear about your family and to talk to my grandmother. But I want yeah. us to get vulnerable on yeah. our failures, right? So part two or part one, we're gonna we're gonna get vulnerable. Okay, Annie. So how have you failed? I yeah, I've I've failed. So we're we're talking about like our younger selves, right? Yeah, we're just talking about in life. When were you afraid to fail, or when did you fail? Yeah. I would say I wasn't so much afraid of failing as a kid, but I definitely failed a lot in that, um, as a kid, I bounced from, like, activity to activity mm-hmm. because I just, I loved trying new things from a young age, um, and I just wanted, and I think my parents just wanted me to do something that wasn't school, so they just kept putting me in different activities to see which one would stick, right. and literally none of them would stick, so I, it, it was almost like a montage of, like, America's Funniest Home Videos, like, of me going through all these different things right. and just failing and just... But it was almost, like, fun because I would fail and be like, okay, not for me. Let's right. keep going. So I just wrote down, like, a couple of... Just just a few of the things I was involved in uh-huh. that obviously didn't stick. So these are archery, ballet, soccer, and there's a video of me shooting the wrong goal uh, during <laughs> soccer. You were <laughs> like, the girl who scored on yourself. Yeah, and I was, like, so happy. I was like, whoa! And then realized, like, not even realizing what I did. Right. Um, volleyball, badminton, tennis, diving, Girl Scouts, rhythmic gymnastics, regular gymnastics, hip-hop dancing, softball, clarinet, etc. So that's just... Take a breath. I know, (laughs) that's just some of them. And, like, literally, it was, it was just fun. I was just like, okay, cool, I tried this, um, I'm not good at it, these people can be the professionals in this, Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna keep going, and, like, there's just, yeah, I was this little kid with, like, a bowl cut, just having fun. Annie with a bowl cut. Yeah, so I learned to, I I really, during that time, just, like, learned to laugh at myself more than be upset at myself over not being good at something. You do laugh at yourself a lot. In the best way. Like, in a good way. Like, you I feel like you're not too hard on yourself. I, I think I, I think I can be, but it's definitely, like, more behind closed doors. Got it. But, um, but yeah, my outward is definitely trying to laugh at myself more. So, thank you. Um, but what about, what about yourself? So I guess I have a question, like you going through all these experiences and you weren't afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a time that you were afraid to fail? 
Uh, academically, yes. Okay. Academically, I was always like, I need to be top of top of the class. I need to get good grades because to me that equated to success. And mm. so, definitely academically, um, I was the hardest on myself, and where I was really afraid to fail and get bad grades. Right. So yeah. it's funny that when you're playing, there isn't like this. Yeah. Like, uh, pressure. There's no pressure. But then when you are doing school, or just, like, you, you place value mm-hmm. in... Yeah, it seemed more serious, yeah. I guess, at least for me, because I know for some people it can be switched. Right. Uh, but I think just the way I viewed success as a younger person, mm-hmm. I was like, school is what really matters, extracurriculars not so much, mm-hmm. but now my perspective has shifted, and I feel the need to be a well-rounded, you know, kind of wholesome person and and be involved in in a lot of different things instead of just one right um so yeah my perspective has definitely changed over time on on failure yeah well it seems like it's it's evolving yeah that's right what i always think is really funny is you know when we look at children specifically when they're trying to walk they don't care about how many times they fall they just care about walking, right? Mm-hmm. So no matter how many times they fall, they don't, like, look around at other people being like, oh, my gosh, I just fell in front of somebody. They're just going to continue to get up and continue to walk. Yeah. There's never a, a self-reflection or there's never a, oh, my gosh, other people are watching me. That doesn't really matter to them. So I always try to think about it if I am trying something, look at myself as a toddler and just I'm falling all over the place and the idea is to walk, but the only way to walk and walk well is to just continue to fall Uh so that's always been my mentality I guess with always failure I guess from a young age so like I had uh my father was really tough on me especially when it came to sports um and he would always just want me to be the best want me to be the best want me to be be the best and I was always like anxious and fearful of falling it was more because of him rather mm-hmm. than me actually falling, yeah. right? So he would even get, like, verbally aggressive, physically aggressive. Like, he just wanted the best, but it was really? always out of love. Like, it always came out of his left ear, but it was always love. But he was the always the one that, like, pushed me down. Oh, I'm sorry. Which was tough, but now looking back on it, it was the best thing that's ever happened to me because him constantly kind of pushing me down made me stand up taller and taller each mm-hmm. and every time. Now I just feel like I'm, I'm a bit of an elastic band. Like, you could pull and you could pull and you could pull, but I know that I'm going to snap back because I knew what it was like when I was mm-hmm. growing up, right? Yeah. So now failure is just, uh, the thought is, how far can I go? Because I know that I can't break. Uh-huh. So let's so just... So do you think, do you think, like, almost somebody letting you down in that sense and, and um, undermining you, I guess, from early on, do you think that helped it like I guess just being earlier on so that it almost became like the worst got out of the way right it became resilient Mm -hmm. you know when you were like when you were a kid and you were growing up and then the person who you place so much validation in like continued to push you down you just learned how to stand up and then as you grow as an adult the only person that gives you validation is the person in the mirror so that experience allowed me to look at myself and I knew that I could stand up and I could stand up taller each and every time. So I'm going to continue to stand up and give myself that validation on just getting up and keep moving. Yeah. 
Um, and it was the best thing. Like it was a negative that turned into a positive and I'm so grateful for my father because of it. Like wasn't the best going through it in, in the midst of it. But now as I look back, it was the best thing that's ever happened to me because I could throw myself into China and then I could get thrown out during a pandemic and still gracefully fall and fall well and fall with resilience and bounce myself up like an elastic band. I gotta say that was like one of the most resilient things that I've ever seen like a person do because like even just I remember when you came back and you were just bouncing all over the place like you didn't have a place to really settle down and I was just remember being like so amazed at like how you were balancing all that and how you were able to like pivot so quickly um and now it makes sense like you have been doing that for so long so Mm -hmm. you definitely are like I see you as like a really resilient person for sure. And through those experiences, I have learned the most, like the more resilient you become and the less that you hold on to it, the more that you look at the goods automatically, you're like, Oh wow. All of this came from that, you know? Mm -hmm. And your, your head shifts from failure as a bad thing to failure as like the most amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And the most vital thing for growth, it's the catalyst for growth. It's the catalyst for change. But looking at it as a negative thing, you're just going to focus all of your energy on negative and you're going to get negative back. Versus you're going to be being stuck like, in the past. Yeah, dude, it's terrible. And I've been there with, you know, resentment and like, oh, uh, like living in that moment. But it's like gone, like leave it there and look how much it's brought you to the place that you're in now. And you're in control of that with failure. Yeah. You know? I love that. You explained that perfectly. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's get a little bit more research to back some of this vulnerability and some of our grandparents' stories. <laughs> okay, here on the Roaring Twenties podcast, we break this down into three different sections. We get vulnerable, then we turn to the research, then we're going to figure it out. You have some research to present. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so um, we mentioned stoicism on... A previous episode which is like this great philosophy um you love a good origin- stoicism stoicist a stoicist yeah you got me into it honestly like i i've heard about it but i never really dove deep on it until we started doing this so stoicism what what really sticks out to me about it is just this idea of internals or things that we can control and externals things that we cannot control and so focusing more on on what you can control and that will really bring you peace of mind Um, and another thing about, you know, the mind is like, when we think about failure, like it's really all in the mind. Right. And when I was doing my research, I saw some mentions about Dante's divine comedy. Hmm. Um, this is what's the book that we all had to read. Um, Dante's Inferno. Yes. Uh Yes. Yeah. 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 So in, in the divine comedy, Satan is depicted as a victim of his terrible pride, by being frozen from the waist down in a sea of ice. Mm. The ice is of his own making. And I added a visual here if you're, if you're interested. Um, but really, like, it comes back to, like, how the fear of failure and, like, the striving towards perfectionism is, is like that sea of ice that you're mm. freezing yourself in. Um, and it's, it's almost like that sea represents all these thoughts of yourself failing, but also what other people may think of you failing. Um, if you don't succeed at something, mm-hmm. all those externals that you don't have control yeah, of. Yeah, all those externals, and like it at the end of the day, it it doesn't matter. Like yeah. the the matter is is the outcome, and like even though you may not control the outcome, you can control how you react to it. Yeah. So even if it's not the outcome you expected, you can 
be like, okay, that didn't work out as planned, but I'm going to move forward. I'm going to be resilient, uh, whatever. But it's funny how your thoughts just circulate Mm -hmm. and it's like others' opinions of you definitely hit, but I think what hits the hardest and what maybe causes the most ice or for you to not move are those negative thoughts, Mm -hmm. those thoughts that just eat you Mm -hmm. up and you're in control of those thoughts. Yeah. You're in control of the thoughts and they might even prevent you from even starting it. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're so focused on what could be Mm -hmm. that you're not even putting yourself out there. And I think that that's where it gets really tricky. So then how do you control those internals? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, there was an interesting solution also in, in this article and it was the Spanish cardinal, um, I'm not going to try and say his name, but his name is Rafael something, something, something. So it's not a, is it a bird or it's not a bird? Oh, oh no. He's a, this is like a, a religious cardinal. What's a religious? Oh, um, oh, like, like, a like religious... almost like a priest. Okay. But I, think I thought maybe you were a... talking about a bird. No, sorry. <laughs> um, he's a person and he composed this prayer. He called it the litany of humility and it's, and he basically asks that, um, we be spared um, not, not to be spared humiliation, but that we are given the grace to deal with fear. Yeah. And so here's what he says. Um, from the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, O Jesus, deliver me from the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering rebukes, uh, from the fear of being forgotten and from the fear of being ridiculed. And so I know it's like religious, but the idea is like, make your own kind of poem, song, whatever it is, um, and recite it to yourself you know, even if it's something stupid, like save me from the fear of like messing up on my PowerPoint, Mm -hmm. you know, however silly it may be, you have to state your desire. Like a mantra. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Like the, the, in, in India and a lot of, uh, Eastern faith based or just spirituality in general, they have mantras like I am, Mm -hmm. I will, you know? And it's all about like realizing what your fear is uh-huh. and naming it. Yeah, so, name it and claim it. So that it becomes conquerable. Right. Um, so you can actually do something about it instead of it being like this abstract thing that kind of, you know, right. forces you to be in that sea of ice that we talked about. Yeah. I um, chant, you better work, bitch, by Britney Spears. <laughs> and that's, you want a Bugatti, you better work. And then that's like, I'm off for it. I love no, I'm the, just kidding. Yeah. But not really. <laughs> no, but it's, I don't know. It's just Finding it's, a mantra, just finding something that is going, that you can realize that fear. And then you could almost neutralize that fear by a chant or by a prayer mm-hmm. or whatever that might be. A lyric. Yeah. You know? And, it's, and it comes back to just what you can control. Yeah. Which are your the thoughts. internals. Yeah. And one more thing that I want to mention, another Stoic idea, it's uh, premeditatio malorum. Um, oh, so and sexy. It, yeah, it's great. It's it's literally just this idea of, like, thinking beforehand of all the things that could go wrong, all the evils, all the troubles, oh, I love whatever it is. So it, it helps you prepare for life's inev- inevitable setbacks. Yeah. Um, so, for example, like, if you're a speaker, um, before you go on stage, you might be thinking, okay, what if something goes wrong with the mic? What if the audience doesn't react to, to things a certain way. You think about all those things beforehand, you get the stress out of the way. Yeah. And you might, you might even relate to this cause you've, you've spoken on stages, but just about like, uh, giving yourself time to think of the worst case scenario, uh-huh. um, so that w- you get it all out. And then when you come on stage or whatever it is, it's confidence. Right. So you're, you're your authentic self. You're not bogged down with all these thoughts of uh-huh. what could be or how you could potentially fail and you just go for it. Right. And that's how I figure it out. 
what is the worst that will happen? That's the question I always ask myself. Yeah. What's the worst that's going to happen? You know, are you going to feel embarrassed? Okay, cool. You know, that's fleeting. That's an external. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, what will actually be the worst thing that happens? Yeah. And, you know, writing that down, I'm sure, is literally way better than just saying it in your own head. You know, realizing it, viewing it, and then just, like, letting it go. Yeah, that's true. Because it's really, it's whatever the worst possible outcome, it's really not going to be that bad. Like, you're right. going to survive. And this was just to, on a personal note, like, I think this was definitely me during college. Like, I um, lived this philosophy of premeditating all the things that could mm-hmm. go wrong without even yeah, realizing you're quite anxious. It. Yeah, I'm very anxious. And so for me, I, I feel like it's almost like natural to think about these things. Yeah. But before every big test, midterm, final in school, I would call up my dad and I'd be like, I'm going to fail. Like, this is it. Ugh, um, I hate that mentality. Like, I know, I know, but I had to, but I had to tell someone. I had to tell someone. I'd be like, I'm sorry. Like, like I am disappointing you. I'm disappointing myself. Like, this is terrible. I hate this class. And my dad would just go, he'd listen to Maria and then he'd be like, you always say this and you get an A. So, (laughs) so just go out there and like crush it. And he was right. Like I, there was really nothing to worry about. Like I prepared. It was just, I needed to get those thoughts out. Yeah, get them out. Yeah. Get them out of here. So what about, what did you find in your research? Okay, I love a good anatomy lesson. I'm going to make it really easy. Um, brain, okay. We got three different parts of our brain. Think of three different levels on in a building, right? So the lowest brain, this is our, our the first development of our brain. That's the brain stem. This is the part that keeps us alive. Lower brain, lower level. Um, it's what humans have in common with reptiles, mammals, so on and so forth. Think heart rate, digestion, blood pressure, so on and so forth. Level two, midbrain, we got the amygdala, fight or flight, this is in control of your emotions. So mm-hmm. when fear is active, or you see feel, fear, or fear, feel, fear, what is it? Like, uh, I need to do that. those voice lessons, like, um, red, leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Uh, <laughs> the amygdala, fight or flight, okay. midbrain, level two. Um, and then let's go up to level three, which is the frontal lobe. This is like the executive decision making, problem solving, thinking, top level, CEOs live up top, top control. So when you're feeling fear, level two on that is active. And what they're going to do is fight or flight. It's easier to fly down the stairs rather than climb up to the executive level and be like, hey, guys, there's a problem. So our brain automatically is going lower level, is going... I'm just like panic? Yeah, panic, freak out. It's not thinking like what's actually happening here. Executive decision, like trying to make rational decisions. It's going emotion, fear-based reaction. And then that's when you kind of go out of control, like, oh my gosh, what's happening? I have to control this. I don't know what's going on. Like, you, your head goes almost like that's a million so miles per hour. Fascinating. Yeah. And it's easier just to head down the stairwell and go to level one rather than taking the hard way up, going against gravity and going up to the executives. Like, hey guys, there's a problem. What's going on? We need some mm-hmm. executive function. Let's get some reason up in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the CEOs are the ones that are going to be like, okay, guys, calm down. It's not an actual fire. It feels like a fire. That's what level two saying. But we're level three. It's good. We're chill. Relax. Just some smoke. Yeah, exactly. Not a fire. We're not burning. <laughs> chill. Breathe. In the nose, out the mouth. Parasympathetic nervous system. Needless to say, we need to pair this with the Navy SEALs. Those mother effers are great at fear. They get thrown into the 
craziest, craziest situations. Of course, they're fearful as well. They're freaking humans. Mm -hmm. So what do they do? That was kind of my thought process. And it starts off with understanding the three levels of the brain, right? So they have uh, four different steps to work through mental toughness. They call it a mental toughness program. So it's an actual class. It's an actual program, Uh uh-huh, to control fear, even in the most extreme situations. Four easy steps. Goal setting. Really huge. This is done by using level three, the CEO, the frontal lobe, the top brain, the the part of the brain that is responsible for reasoning and planning. So if something does go awry, we go up to level three. Yo, guys, what's going on? Are we still on track? Yes, everything's fine. We're still on track. Mm -hmm. Keep it moving. So goal setting is going to be number one. That's how you bring focus uh, to a small Um, part of what you're mm -hmm. trying to do instead of swirling out like kooky craziness. Mm-hmm. Number two is mental rehearsal. You're in control of this one, right? We need to visualize, vision board, see it and believe it. Have your chance. You better work, bitch. Britney Spears, mantras, like whatever you yeah. need, visualize it. Get it out. Just name it and claim it. Number two. Number three is self-talk. I love self-talk. I actually do this all the time. Um, and what's really nice is that I put my AirPods on and I just go for a walk and talk to myself. And people think that I'm talking to someone else in my, like, you know, on the it's phone. So I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> and I'm just talking through situations. Okay. And it really works for me, especially when it comes to fear, especially when it comes to failure. Like, all right, take a step back. You know, let's talk to level three of the CEOs. What's going on in my head? And then I just actually talk it out. Second option is in a mirror, but talking out while walking. Okay. It's something therapeutic. So that's number three. So number one, goal setting. Number two, mental rehearsal. Number three, self-talk. And last, number four, is arousal control. What is that about? I know. So <laughs> think about, we're, we're going back to the building. Level two, we're going to fly downstairs and we're going to go to the mammalian brain. And that's where real freak out happens. Mm-hmm. Because that the stem of the brain is in control of the body, right? So... The body's kind of freaking out. We need level three, the CEOs, to be like, level one, chill, relax, take a second. We're good, guys. So that's where the arousal control. So when we're in a state of fear or panic, we're, we're aroused. We're, we're, we're feeling anxiety. We're feeling stress. We're kind of going all over the place. And your body kind of almost, like, you're sweating more. Yep. Like- It's a full body effect, you know? So this is where the parasympathetic nervous system comes in, where you start to breathe and relax. So you need to control that. They specifically use breathing, uh, slow breathing at that. So long exhales mimics the body's relaxation process. So once you practice slow breathing, your body relaxes, oxygen goes to your brain, more power goes to level three and your executive functioning, the power decision makers, the, the people that need to make the decision, right? When you are looking at fear. Yeah. I like how you're talking about like the, uh, that brain is like people. It reminds me of that Disney movie. Yeah. 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 Uh, little... What the hell is it called? I, I know, don't know. With the emotions. Inside out. Inside, Inside out. out uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's all I've been thinking about. Uh-huh. Well, that's how I look at it. You know, and the angry guy with the red hair is like level one. He's like, ah, and then like joy, who's like the good ones, like level three. And she's like, come down guys. Yeah. You know, so joy's up at level. I love level that. One. Love a good Disney reference. Love a good Disney reference. So yeah, that's that's the way to do it. So understanding that your brain has three different parts for me, and then there's four ways that the Navy SEALs do it. And if the damn Navy SEALs do it, you know that this is the best in the world because they do top notch research. So goal setting, mental rehearsal, self talk, throw the AirPods in and talk to yourself like you are your best friend, and then arousal control. Try to 
focus on some breathing techniques or whatever will relax you, uh, go to that when you're in a state of fear or panic and you're afraid to fail. Yeah, I really like this. I'm going so to try it. That's research. But let's hop to part three. Let's do it. Try to figure it out. So now that we went into the research, uh, we're going to talk about just some strategies or, or just conclusions. How of we like, figure it out. Yeah. How, how can we deal with failure? So. And how can you too? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's important to realize that, like, in many countries, and I mean, arguably the U.S., like, failure is seen as kind of shameful and there's a stigma around it. And in Italy, they have a word for this. It's called bruta figura. Wow. It's about losing face because of failure it because they equate like failing as making you look bad and so how can we reverse that like how can we stop focusing so much on the end result and giving yourself credit for all the work and accomplishments that you've put in Mm -hmm. throughout your life um so i would just say you know one of the things is positive affirmations like telling yourself if you're if you're uh, experiencing failure like you're you've done so much dude you are doing so well sweetie keep it up yeah like you are an amazing person you've you've probably uh had a lot of great accomplishments that you're just like not realizing in that Mm -hmm. moment but just um reflecting on those and being like yeah like i did that yeah like i'm proud of myself and rewarding yourself for those accomplishments you know treating yourself those small wins and you know if and, and then on the other hand, like, if you're worried about f- failure or there's something that's coming up that you're really anxious about, going to the worst case scenario and thinking through that and being like, okay, what's the worst that could happen realistically? Um, and almost, like, see life as a game where even if you fail uh, to reach the next checkpoint, just do it again. Try a different strategy. Like, I, I don't have a game specifically to compare to this, but, you know, like, there's different levels. Right. Like, if you die, you die, but you keep moving. Like, you're going to come back and you're going to try the level again, so just don't give up on the level. Yeah, you're going to try different strategies, you're going to try different tools or whatever. There's always a way to bounce back. I love it. What What about you? What are your strategies? So, there's this idea of the mastery phase. So, you have a year, a few years of apprenticeship, then you got a few years of work, and then you become a master at something. So, I have a Pablo Picasso story. So, Picasso is sitting in a coffee shop, and he's just doodling on his napkin. And he crumples it up, and he's about to throw it away. Now, this is a woman, you know, over his top shoulder, seeing him doodling, and notices that it's Picasso. And she's like, damn, like, I want that napkin. So she goes up to Picasso before he's about to throw the napkin out. And she's like, hey, can I buy that? And he's like, yeah, of course you can. It's going to be $25,000. And she looked at Picasso and she's like, yo, dude, what do you mean? You're just about to throw that out. You scribbled on a napkin. Like, I'm not going to pay twenty five grand for that. Yeah, I'm going to fish out of the wastebasket, damn it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Picasso turns to her and he's like, that's 60 years of experience. Oh... It's not just two minutes of work. Yeah. Needless to say that your mastery phase, when you you get there, it takes 60 years. We were in our 20s, you know? We're always failing. Dude, we're literally just trying to figure it out. 
So with that in mind, that mastery phase takes a long time. And we are in the phase of discovering and apprenticeship. We're still children. Dude, we're literally just feeling in the dark right now. So realize that you're going to touch some things that are sharp. They're going to be pokey and they're going to be weird. And it's going to take a while. But the more that you feel around in this dark room, the faster you can become the Picasso. So see almost failure as trying, trying, and trying again because you're eventually going to get there. Yeah. And bringing it back to that kid who is just, like, learning to walk, that little toddler who is falling, getting back up again, maybe laughing a bit in the process, like, reminding yourself that it's, it's a journey and just get back up. Yeah. Keep moving. And I guess, lastly, how would it feel if you were to look at your life as an 85-year-old and live with regret and resentment. Mm-mm. Dude, it feels gross right now. And I'm uh, I know. I'm just thinking about it right now. I'm like, <laughs> Literally. Stab me with a fucking fork in the eye, huh? Like, just kill me already if yeah. I have regrets. So kind of to wrap this episode up, uh, you know, we talked about three things. The first thing is personal experiences with failure. You know, I developed resilience through my experiences You just kind of laughed at yourself. laughed at myself and realized that things aren't as serious as you first think they are. Yeah. Keep it light. (laughs) Keep it easy. The second thing we talked about is fear, mentality, and anatomy. Mm -hmm. So we talked about how you should really just focus on what you can control and focus on you because these are your goals, um, your things that you're trying to achieve. Leave other people out of it. Right, and then remember what the Marines do. They're going to goal set, they're going to mentally rehearse, they're going to self-talk, and they're going to breathe. Just the nose out of the mouth. And then lastly, you know, how to successfully fail. Dude, you're in your 20s. Relax. We're, we're just going through this experience. Yeah, we're just um, little fishing, fishes in the ocean. You know, a little bit of a dory action. Just keep swimming. <laughs> Just keep moving. Yeah. Just keep moving forward and act like it's a child and you're walking and you're trying to walk. The falls aren't failures. The falls are just steps for you to become an expert walker. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for hanging out. We hope that you continue to fail gracefully. Fail well. (laughs) Fail well. Adieu. (laughs) (laughs) Fawa. Fargoire. With your own words. All right, goodbye. Bye.